Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. If we hope to survive in this digital age, we have to think critically about the messages we consume. Someone created those messages for a reason. Let's find out why. Sometimes we just have to ask, what the media? I'm Megan Lynch, and Edward R. Murrow and Gracie Award winner with legacy radio station KMOX in St. Louis, Missouri. I'm joined by Julie Smith, author, instructor, public speaker, and our guide for how to be a savvy media consumer. In our first season, we focused on dissecting messages. This season, transparency from the mouths of the content creators. You're asking people to let you into their lives, often for years, um, and to go on a journey with you in which you as the filmmaker hold the cards and the subject often uh, is very vulnerable. In this episode, documentary films, a big ask. Julie and I talk with A.J. Schnock, independent filmmaker, about the difference between movies and the documentaries he's been crafting for the last 20 years. I would say it's the difference between a, a documentary or a nonfiction film and a fiction film. Um, and I think the biggest uh, examples are that fiction films... Uh, traditionally use actors playing the roles of someone else. Uh, and, and the situations, uh, there's no rule about that the situations involved uh, have to have any basis in reality. They can be complete fantasy, in fact. Whereas a nonfiction film, you know, you're dealing with real people, um, real situations, uh, and real events. Um, but I would say that within, uh, within that world, um, you know, you're using the same filmmaking tools. You might be using them in different ways, uh, whether you're making a, a nonfiction film or a feature, uh, feature fiction film. So when you're dealing with real people, how does that increase the difficulty compared to a fiction film? Well, you don't get to have them do what you tell them to do. You know, I mean, the, 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 you don't know where the movie is going a lot of the times. And that's, that's one of the things when you go into it, you're, you may have a sense of I'm making this film and I think this film is going to be X. Um, but I think the better nonfiction filmmakers are willing to go into a situation and be completely surprised uh, and find out, oh, that's not, the story that I thought I was coming here to tell is not the story that it is here when I, I'm actually in this space, in this world. Um, the, the story is something different, and now I have to figure out how to tell that 
story. Uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, when you tell a film that has happened uh, about events that took place in the past, you're often, you know, have a better sense of like, oh, this, this is the story because I've done research. I know there are existing interviews with the, the people who are involved versus whether when you're doing a, a story that's, that's unfolding uh, as you are filming. So the difference between like a, a historical documentary and uh, a current or verite documentary, um, the, the, what happens can be quite different. You know, obviously, when you were doing the one, the, the long gone summer for ESPN, I'm sure you, you were able to capitalize on that to get those interviews. But when you first started trying to do independent films and documentaries, was it hard to convince people to do those interviews with you? Oh, it's still hard, you know, I mean, because it's asking a lot. You know, you're not it's not like you're saying, like, hey, give me five minutes, you know, or half an hour. Or, you know, I'm doing this story and I want to get your take on it. Um, you know, you're asking people to let you into their lives often for years um, and to go on a journey with you in which you as the filmmaker hold the cards and the subject often uh, is very vulnerable. Um, so it's it's I, I mean, I always say to people when I'm, I'm making the ask that it's a big ask, you know. Um, it's not, it's not something minor and it, and it can often live for a long time where whether you're a, a, a well-known person or, or someone who's not well-known, the film can come to define, uh, your identity for a lot of people. So it's, it's not, um, it's not something to be take undertaken lightly either by the filmmaker or by, uh, the subject. So, yeah, I mean, certainly there, there are some people who, if you say like, oh, you know, I'm doing something for Netflix or I'm doing something for ESPN or HBO, like that might get people excited about wanting to participate, but it doesn't change uh, the, the enormity, I think, of what you're asking. AJ, what's one thing that would surprise people the most about your job? Because your job sounds glamorous, right? You live in Los Angeles, you make films. I think it's the length of time it takes uh, to, to make a, a documentary film. Not all. Some films, you you know, people make them in, in faster turnaround or short periods of time. But, you know, I made a film in Branson, Missouri called We Always Lie to Strangers. And we filmed that over the course of five years, um, you know, and, and for a lot of that time period, we didn't necessarily know you know, who our, our main characters were going to be, you know, what was the story. We went there wanting to tell this a certain story about Branson, but we arrived right before the financial collapse that occurred in 2008. And that changed the story. It, it changed what was happening in Branson. It changed what was happening in the tourism industry. And so that that made everything uh, very different than, than this, the film that we thought we were we were going there to make. And, and a lot of that, in, in terms of like figuring out what the story was, didn't even happen until we started editing um, and realized, uh, you know, kind of the footage we had. One of our main characters in that film, uh, a woman named Alicia, you know, we didn't know she was a main character until we saw the footage, started watching the footage and started editing the film. And we were like, oh, my gosh, she's magical. She's she's doing something that no one else in the film is doing. And we want her to be a big part of it. So I think the. the there are films that are much more planned out and you go in and you're just kind of, you know, this is what we're doing and we just need this puzzle piece to fit with this puzzle piece and everything will come together. Um, but, it, you know, a lot of times it, it takes a long time. Uh, you don't necessarily know what you're doing or, or what you're going to get out of it. Um, 
And, and that, that, of course, I think to me is part of the thrill of, of doing it. Tell me about that editing process. What does it take to sift through all the footage and research that you do and put it into a concise package? I mean, it's both a nightmare and a joy. It's, it's like, you know, it's one of the hardest parts of the filmmaking process um, because there are times when you're so lost in it, you think, you know, I, this is, I'm never going to figure this out. There are times when you think you've got it put together and then you have to pull it all apart. It's, I, I liken it to deconstructing a car in a garage and you walk in and you can't believe that all the parts once fit into uh, this thing that worked because you've taken everything out and you put everything in different stacks and piles. Uh, and then you have to figure out how to reconstruct it into something smaller, maybe because you, you need to make the film shorter or because this, the, some piece of the structure isn't working and, and how, you know, the second act might be working, but the third act isn't. And then, but then when you fix the third act, the second act doesn't work anymore. Um, it's a very, very difficult process, but, but the, it's, it's so there are moments then when you do something and you're like, Oh man, like this is, this all works now. This feels great. And this feels the way, I mean, for me, what I want to do is like, I want you to feel how it felt in the moment, especially if I'm filming something contemporaneous, you know, it's like, there's a feeling that I have. And if, if I can get you to feel the same way, um, that's thrilling. So I can sometimes sense that, that I'm getting there in the edit. And if I feel like I'm getting there or I got there, um, that's, that's one of the best feelings you can have. Uh, I think as an editor filmmaker, but it takes forever to get there. It's a, it's a nightmare. Don't do it. <laughs> AJ, as I listen to you talk, you remind me so much of the way Megan talks about her job of putting stories together in a way that will resonate with an audience. But Megan, you have to edit a lot of your information too, and figure out the best way to deliver it. I think it's so interesting that, that you all are doing very similar things through different media platforms. I always liken it when I'm doing a series of reports to writing a term paper. That's what it feels like. And sometimes I don't know about you, AJ, but I get to the end of it and it's kind of like, okay, what did I say here? What was the point of this? Um, you know, and, and uh, you know, all the continual edit it, edits, but sometimes when you step away, I wonder if you ever have to step away from it for a few weeks and go back to it just to have a fresh point of view. Yeah, I mean, in, in a perfect world, you, you set it aside and you go away for a while um, and then come back to it because, yeah, you just, you can't see it. Um, you can't tell what's working at a certain point. Uh, and so that, like, uh, you know, Long Gone Summer is an example. You know, we actually put it uh, aside for about a month and a half over the Christmas holidays from 2019 into 2020. Um, and when I came back, I was just like, I was, I was like, what? I don't even know why we thought this was working. Like this, this whole piece is like structurally, you know, just, I can't take it. It's terrible. Um, so, you know, but that you have to, you have to do that, I think. Um, and, and allow yourself that time to, to step away because otherwise it's, you're, you're just deep in it all the time. So AJ, you've done documentaries on music, you've done documentaries on politics, you've done documentaries on sports. 
Have there been uh, major differences in the level of cooperation you've gotten from people? It's, it's different when you're dealing with well-known people, I think, generally. I, I, the, the political films that I've made, I, I don't approach it in the same way. Um, if you're a candidate who's running for office, those are, you know, we talk about the differences between documentary and journalism. Those, those films are the most journalistic of the work that I've done. Um, I treat people who are running for office differently as a subject than I would treat someone who is, um, you know, letting me film them when they're doing a show in Branson. Um, that, that's, the, that, that process is, is, is very different. Um, but I think if you're a well-known person, you know, if you're a Mark McGuire or a Sammy Sosa, you know, you're asking yourself, like, who's this guy? Why uh, is he the one to tell this story? Why is now the moment to tell this story? Um, and so those are the kinds of, you know, you have those kinds of conversations. So who's the team around you? You know, my wife has been my producer on a lot of my projects. Uh, we've had a production company together for, you know, more than 25 years now. She has a very good sense of what uh, the project was supposed to be. Why was I interested in making that project? And so she, she can always provide that kind of true north of, you know, like, uh, that's not what you wanted to do, or that's not what you intended to do here. And then I've just, you know, I've had a circle of collaborators. Some people work on one project that don't work on another, but, you know, it's like different people over the years who I trust. But, you know, I, I think ultimately I, I have to be true to, to what I felt was the thing that made me want to do it or the thing that I felt at the time, as I mentioned before, you know, that I have to get to that place. Um, and so I can't always convey that in words to somebody, you know, it's like when you, when you're trying to explain to somebody how to do something and then you finally just have to push them out of the way and say like, no, just, I'm just going to do it. Cause it's, it takes me longer to explain it to you than if I just did it myself and you can watch that it's a very similar uh, thing where I can try to explain to somebody what I, what an intention was or where a, a place I wanted to get to, but it's ultimately I have to get there. Um, and I have to feel that for me. And sometimes that'll work for other people and sometimes it won't, but it's ultimately, you know, I, I I'm, I'm accountable to myself and I'm accountable to, I feel my subjects, you know, it's like, that's who I'm most, uh, have to, uh, have to be true to what I told them I was going to do. I can't mislead someone, um, which I think, you know, again, I, I, you know, talking about the differences between documentary and, uh, you know, what we consider journalism, you know, when you're making a documentary, your relationship with your subject is, is collaborative. And it is something that is, um, it, it is ongoing over a long period of time. And so the, there's a trust that you ask for, um, from them um, and that you have to deliver on. Uh, and it, it is not something you can say like, oh, I'm doing X. And then you don't let them know if it changes. I mean, that it's, it's something very, uh, th that's an important relationship. One of the things we've talked about on the podcast is how media have changed through the years. And of course, the pandemic has changed the landscape significantly. What do you see as the future of documentaries well, documentaries have done well this summer um, relative to to other uh, uh, films. Um, 
the Anthony Bourdain film has made $5 million at the box office, uh, which is not a lot when you look at Black Widow, but it's not that far off of, of what we would consider huge successes from a few years ago. Um, same with Summer of Soul. I mean, and there's a Julia Child film that's about to come out. We, we might be getting back into a place where, you know, people really embrace that, that part of the theatrical experience of going to a movie and seeing a documentary, um, especially about someone who they are familiar with or a story that, that they are um, super interested in. Um, but streaming has changed everything for sure. For sure. I mean, it's, it's not just in terms of the ability of people to find a lot of different types of documentaries and documentary series. That's, you know, something that is much different uh, than it was a decade ago. Um, and so I think that we'll continue to see more of that. Every, it feels like every week we get a new streaming service uh, and, you know, they're launching with, with films uh, or with, with documentary series. Um, but, you know, I think one thing that will be interesting from that I'm interested in, in watching is some of the joy and maybe because I've always primarily been an independent filmmaker, um, you know, it, some of the joys have, have been seeing smaller films aren't, or haven't been backed traditionally by um, major streamers. I mean, they may get acquired by a streamer if they play at Sundance or, or Tribeca. Um, but, you know, those, those kinds of films, the, those things that really come from a personal desire to tell a specific story as opposed to, like, um, you know, some big, you know, biographical portrait. Um, I hope that those kinds of films still have a, a place and that people want to seek out those kinds of films because those are often the most exciting filmmaking that's being done, I think. You know, you talked the box office numbers. So let's talk some of the, the bottom line of documentary filmmaking. I don't know that a lot of people, even myself, understand where the money comes from to produce them and how you make money doing this, especially when you're working on a project, for example, for five years. Yeah, if, if you figure it out, let me know. Because it's, uh, <laughs> no, I mean, it's not, no one's, I mean, I shouldn't say no one's getting rich. Some people are getting, doing quite well, actually. Um, you'll see people whose names come up again and again and seem to like, you know, always be working on, on something. Um, you know, there's probably, you know, a couple dozen uh, filmmakers who that's true about. Um, you know, for me, I, I've always just found people who, you know, have some money lying around uh, that they want to be in the making movie business. Um, and, uh, you know, documentaries are, are not as expensive as, as to make as, as fiction films. Um, so if you're somebody who wants to get involved in, in the film business and you like documentaries, it can often be a, a less, a costly way to to get your foot in um so yeah i mean a lot of things i've done have been um funded by you know by those kinds of people um you know i've not been somebody who's gotten a lot of grants or pursued a lot of grants but there are those people get grants from foundations from wealthy individuals um from organizations uh, and, and then there are people who are funded by, you know, the, the streaming services and the networks that, that we've been talking about. So there's a variety of ways in which the money comes. Um, but, you know, for a lot of filmmakers, that, that, that's just a process of getting the film done. It's not a process that, that really allows you to have, you know, like, uh, 
a huge amount of money coming into you personally. AJ, when you're talking about putting a documentary together, are you typically approached by someone to make the documentary or do you get the idea and then pitch it to someone? I've, there've been a couple of times when I've been approached, but most of the projects I've done have been um, things that I've generated. Uh, in the case of Long Gone Summer, I actually pitched ESPN about a different idea um, that we all felt ultimately was going to be uh, too cost prohibitive uh, to make. Um, and, but they were like, you know, keep pitching us. And I, I just said, well, you know, I'm curious. It seems like you, there's a reason why you haven't done the 98 home run race. Um, and they were just like, well, you know, if you can, <laughs> if you can uh, get, uh, Mark and Sammy, then, uh, yeah, let's, let's, let's talk about it. And then I found out that like, you know, it was something they've always wanted to do. They've just never been able to get those two guys on board. And, and, uh, so, you know, that was, that was a process where there was a lot of interest, uh, but I had to be able to put all the pieces together of major league baseball and Mark and Sammy and getting Cardinals and Cubs and everybody kind of just to be okay with it. AJ, I think we've learned quite a bit about the documentary film process, uh, many things that I didn't think about, but I'm really struck at how similar your job and Megan's job is just on the surface about putting stories together and trying to make, make the audience relate to how you were feeling when you were putting the story together. I think that's really interesting. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I went to the J school at Mizzou and, and while I think that there are huge differences between the, you know, the, the nonfiction filmmaking process. And, uh, when I was a journalist, um, I, there were a lot of things I learned in that process that I, I use, uh, in the same way that I, you know, use the tools of, of fiction filmmaking. You know, I, I think it's, it's, it's an interesting, um, uh, process to know you know what 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 you learn in in journalism um and how that does and does not relate you know to to making a documentary that's aj schnock independent filmmaker one of his most recent projects long gone summer an espn 30 for 30 documentary about the 1998 major league baseball home run record chase I'm Megan Lynch with media literacy expert Julie Smith. What the Media is produced by Odyssey St. Louis from the studios of KMOX Radio in St. Louis, Missouri. Our executive producer is Beth Coglin. We invite you to visit KMOX.com for more on our media literacy project. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time, baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world, screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.